All right. Well, this morning we are back in our study of the book of Philippians. And so turn to chapter 3, if you would. In our last time here in chapter 3, we spent all of our time looking at verses 12 through 14. And this is a great section of this letter as it focuses on Paul's continued desire to be like Christ. You see, what he talks about here comes from what he stated just a couple verses earlier in verse 10. Paul said, number one, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Number two, he says, I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And number three, I want to become like him in his death. Well, as he began in verse 12, his first words were, not that I have already obtained all this. He wanted to make it very clear. I have not obtained all this yet. And then he says, or have already been made perfect. Matter of fact, one more time in verse 13, he said, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of this. All right? And so he has made it crystal clear to this church what his spiritual desires are, but that he has absolutely not fulfilled them. Now, what he does, though, is that he lives his life in pursuit of those spiritual goals. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to be. I'm not there yet, but I continue to pursue those very things. Notice there the second half of verse 12. Paul said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In other words, it is his goal, Paul says, to fulfill the purpose that God had called him to. God's desire for Paul had now become Paul's desire for himself. Okay? Paul is saying, I want to be who God wants me to be. And so knowing that he has not reached that point yet, he said, I press on. I press on. That, that, that means, by the way, I continue to press on. I keep pressing on. It's that continuous effect in life. Okay, This is very important, folks, that we understand what he's talking about here because we, too, need to have that very same mindset. You know, Just because some of us have been saved uh, for many years, and I certainly hope that you have matured in your walk with the Lord it by no means makes, you know, allows us to, to put on our proverbial flip-flops, grab our umbrella, and think that we can go on some permanent spiritual vacation. Okay? As if somehow we've reached a certain point in our lives, spiritually speaking, and we really don't need to progress any longer. Sadly, there are people like that. They've reached a certain point in their lives. I'm certainly further along than this person, this person, this person. And they kind of just go on this cruise control. They kind of go on this spiritual vacation as if I don't need to progress in my walk with the Lord anymore. That's not it. We don't ever stop. We don't ever uh, put on hold the sanctification process. Unless you're somehow delusional 
to believe that you have fulfilled all of the Old and the New Testaments. Paul is saying, and he's really saying for all of us, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. And that's why he said in verse 13, he says, here is what I do, he said. He says, I forget what is behind. And then he says, I strain towards what is ahead. And so what he's saying here is, when it comes to past failures as well as past achievements, we can't hold on to those. Our thinking is not to be on the past, but it's on or should be on what is ahead of us, is what he's trying to say. You see, if you focus on your past failures, you're probably going to fail again. If you focused on your past successes, you might not think you need to try as hard as you should. Don't allow these things to have effect on your present walk with the Lord or even in your future. Okay, That's why he says, look forward. It's kind of like what Paul said earlier in chapter 1, right? If our sole emphasis was on, remember when Paul said this? If we had that same emphasis where Paul said, for me to live is Christ, I think we will then, if we had that mindset, I think we will then move forward. We will move towards the goal. As Paul said right here, he strains towards what is ahead. And so for the Christian, this means there must always be an unwavering progression, a constant moving forward in our walk with the Lord. Remember I said the word press on. It's I keep pressing on. I continue to press on. I don't stop pressing on. That's what that means. Folks, we, we should never be satisfied with where we are at right now in our walk with Christ. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care what you know. I don't care if you went to seminary or got a PhD. We should never be satisfied with where we are right now. And therefore, Paul repeats two words at the beginning of verse 14. Once again, he said, the words press on. He said, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Folks, even though we cannot attain holiness while we are on this earth, right? We will not be perfect. We will not somehow become sinless Paul says, nonetheless, we still press on. We keep moving in the direction of that goal. And if you've been listening to what Paul has been saying, that goal is simply to be like Christ. Okay? And then he says, of course, when the race is over, you know, Paul uses the illustration a lot of times that the Christian life is a race. But when the race is over and our life has ended, he says, there is the prize. And he says, for this God has called me heavenward. Okay? Now, whether that prize is our rewards at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10, or maybe it's just the bottom line is we get to be in the presence of the Lord forever. Either way, it doesn't matter. Those both are going to happen if you know Christ today. 
But until it happens, just like Paul says right here, we're still in the race. Okay? Therefore, all of us, all of us must press on, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Now, with that as a, uh, as a review, and of course, bringing our minds back into this context, I want you to hold on to these thoughts, okay? Hold on to those thoughts. Now, today wasn't just a normal review. Paul's going to go back to those. So keep those things in your mind um, as we move through the next three verses, okay? So I'm going to read verse 14 again real quick, and then we'll move right into verses 15 through 17. Once again, Paul says, I press on to take hold, I'm sorry, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He then says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern that we gave you. So as you can see from looking at verses 12 through 14, as well as, of course, reading verses 15 through 17, this is obviously a section of Scripture that focuses on uh, real-world, hands-on Christian living. Okay? It's very practical. It challenges us to say, what are my daily pursuits? That's what it challenges. What, what are my, put your name in there, what are my daily pursuits? Now, Paul speaks of his, he speaks of his daily pursuits in verses 12 through 14. And now the church is being challenged to do the same in verses 15 through 17, okay? So coming off Paul here saying that he presses on toward the goal to win the prize, right? The beginning of verse 15, what does he say? He says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Now, before we actually talk about those things, let's first deal with the fact that Paul is talking first to those in whom he calls mature. Okay? Now, the New American Standard, as well as the King James, uses the word perfect instead of mature. But as I stated earlier in verse 12, where Paul uses the same Greek word, even though the word perfect can be used, it is absolutely not the best choice in this context, since we're talking about the practical lives of individual Christians. Okay? There is no one on this earth who is perfect. Romans 3, there's no one righteous, not even one. Now, that being said, it's okay to chase after perfection. We should do that. As God says himself, God says, be holy as I am holy. God says, I want you to be as holy as I am holy. Folks, you know we cannot reach that, but we can still pursue it, right? We can still pursue it. So we have to realize that perfection and therefore sinlessness 
is unattainable as long as we are on this earth, as long as we are in our sinful bodies. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 is very clear on that. So here when Paul speaks of those who are mature, which is really a better translation here, he's not talking about how long one has been a Christian. And that's important we understand that. There are a lot of people who think, well, I've been a believer for 30 years or 40 years or whatever it may be. And folks, I've seen a lot of these people. They're definitely not mature just because they've been a believer for a long time. Okay? He's speaking here to those who possess a certain level of spiritual growth and stability. Okay? The mature Christian is someone who would agree with what Paul just said in verse 15. He said, all of us, he includes himself, all of us who are mature should take such a view of these things. If you're mature, you should agree with this, okay? You should be agreeing if you're mature on everything Paul just said in verses 12 through 14, And therefore you, he's saying, the mature Christian, are also pursuing that same goal. It's not just for me. You're pursuing it as well. And well, that brings us right into, of course, to the second half of verse 15, which I just read. The mature, those who have progressed in their faith, progressed in their knowledge, but mostly in their actual application, in their walk with Jesus Christ, he said, should take a view, such a view of these things. Now, if you have the New American Standard, it says you should have this attitude. If you have the ESV, it says you should think this way. Those are all correct. But once again, the bulk of the information is coming from verses 12 through 14. Okay? You should think that way. You should have that same attitude. You should have the same view that I have right there. Okay? Now, I'm not going to read those three verses again, but if I was to shorten it, Paul would be saying, if you're mature, share with me, right? Share with me in this pursuit of Christ's likeness. That's his goal. Participate with me, Paul is saying, in pressing on towards the goal to win the prize. Come together with me. Right? Be there with me. Do the same thing. Remember, folks, Paul just said in verses 12 and 13 that he has not obtained it yet. Right? He then said he does not consider himself to have taken hold of it yet. Okay, that's why, speaking of himself, he says, I press on. Here's what I want to do. Here's where I want to be, spiritually speaking, in my walk with the Lord. But I, I'm not there yet. I haven't attained it yet. But, but I haven't stopped either. I'm not just going to say, well, I, I can't do that. No, he says, therefore, I press on. Okay. I press on, he says, towards the goal to win the prize. He wants to be who God has called him to be. Here, in verse 15, he's saying, have the same attitude as I have. He's saying, listen, church, now of course he's talking here to the church in Philippi, 
Ultimately, it's for all of us as believers in Christ. He says, have the same attitude. That's what he's saying here in verse 15. Join with me in this quest. In other words, you can also say, look at, Paul is saying, look at, this is not just for certain people. It's not just for me because I'm an apostle. He's not saying that, is he? It's not just for those who want to be church leaders. He's saying, join with me. I don't care who you are. So yes, we know from the earlier verses, this is Paul's desire for himself. Paul lives his life in pursuit of his spiritual goals. But his longing, his longing is for the church. All the church, the body of Christ. Whoever comes to faith in Christ, his longing is that they would not be stagnant. But they would move forward. Hence the words, press on. Well, how long do I do that, Darren? Until the day you die. Until we finish the race, right? And by the way, that is a mark of spiritual maturity. Are you pressing on towards the goal? You know it's lifelong. You know you don't spiritually retire. Is that your longing as it is for the Apostle Paul? Because we can easily just read the first three verses, 12, 13, and 14, and call it, a, call it quits right there and think, oh, man, that Paul is a solid dude. Great. He wants us to be the same way, to have the same pursuit of Christ in our lives. Still in verse 15, and still talking about the same people, what does he say? He says, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Paul here understands, folks, that he's not writing to a couple of good buddies in the church at Philippi, but he's actually writing to the whole church, okay? The whole church that meets there. And so in saying that, there is bound to be somebody, right? Not everybody in this church, I'm sure, agrees on every little thing, the bigger the church, the more the disagreements, obviously. But he's saying and there's bound to be someone who might disagree on some point. And maybe it's because of the false teachers. We talked about them earlier on. They may have believed those things that they were taught. Many of them may believe something that, that they're already mature. They, maybe they believe, I'm already mature. I don't need to be as dedicated as others do. Or maybe some, some agree with what everything Paul said in verses 12 through 14, but they believe it is possible to reach that point in their lives where they have reached perfection. False teachers believe that, and so maybe as they taught the church, they believe that as well. It's possible. It could be many, many different things. But whatever that issue is, he doesn't tell us, but whatever it may be, Paul believes that God will make the truth clear to them, okay? If these people are willing to listen and they truly, I shouldn't say truly, they really want to know the truth, Paul's view here is that God will open their eyes. Folks, Paul knows that God can use the Holy Spirit to do that. God can use circumstances to do that. God can use discipline to do that. God can use trials 
to do that. And listen, folks, because this includes you, God can, can use other Christians. God can use each and every one of us in the lives of somebody else. See, the bottom line is he believes that God can get it done. That's the bottom line, okay? Paul knows that if some people do not want to listen to him, that if some people disagree with him, he knows it's the Lord who's going to have to take over at that point. It's out of his hands. God's going to have to do the work. And trust me, if you've ever been involved in church leadership of any kind, um, you know, for pastors and elders and things like that, there are many people over the years that we've talked to, we've tried to help. You share with them the Word of God. They don't want to hear it. Well, they have, a, they have a Bible question. They want you to answer it. They don't like the answer. I can take them right to the text. Go ahead and read that, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. And what does it say? Well, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but. Uh. You know, how many times can you get yeah, buts? They don't want to hear it. No matter what you say, no matter how you try to share it, no matter what other text you want to use, I don't want to hear it. At that point, all of us who do these kinds of things realize that at this point, God has to take this. I, I can't do it. I've done, I've done everything I can. The greatest thing I can do is give them the word of God. That's the greatest answer is to show them in Scripture. But if they don't believe me or if they don't want to hear it because you know, it sticks them the wrong way, they don't mind the answer if it applies to somebody else, but God forbid you apply that to me. It's going to have to be the Lord who works in their heart. Paul knows that. I know that because there's nothing else that I can do. All right, let's move on into verse 16 where Paul has another point to make pertaining to what we know and to how we live. So remember what we've just got through talking about, the mature doing all these things from verses 12 and four through 14. Now he says, verse 16, however, it says only, you can use but or however, however, let us live up to what we have already attained. This is what I want you to do, verse 15. If you disagree with me, God will work it out in your heart. But whatever, but let's at least live up to what we have already obtained. Now, there are a couple different thoughts on this statement, okay? Um, in other words, you can look at this in a couple of different ways. Both of them are biblically correct, and so it's important we look and listen to both of them. Number one, Paul is saying, wherever it is that you are at spiritually, wherever that is, okay, whatever level of maturity that you find yourself at, live it out. Wherever you're at in life, you may have been a believer three weeks, three months, four years, 27 years, live it out. Exercise fully the degree of maturity that you possess. Or you might simply say whatever level you find yourself at as it pertains to the Word of God, your understanding of Scripture, right? Maybe you're a two, maybe you're an eight. But whatever it is, he says, be faithful to that. 
Well, Darren, I don't know as much as somebody else does, but whatever you do know, be faithful to it. Live that out, see? It's not a point of saying, well, I haven't reached this level. Fine, but you're pursuing it, <laughs> right? You're pressing on, but wherever you're at, be faithful to the Lord and live that out. Number two, Paul is saying that whatever has brought you to that level, keep doing it. Whatever has got you from A to B, keep doing that, okay? Now, if I'm sticking with this maturity scale that I've mentioned, if you're a one and by the grace of God, he has brought you to a three or four, continue on that path. This viewpoint, by the way, comes from the understanding that the words there uh, live up to in verse 16. Uh, if you have the NAS, I think it says keep living. It literally means to stay in line. Stay in line. Maybe you want to say don't deviate off the path. You can do that too. Don't, don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. It means to stay in line. The point meaning stay in line. Don't, don't shift here. Don't just keep going where you're supposed to be going. Keep doing what you've been doing. If you think of that image of running a race, which Paul does, as you know, very often, from where you began at the starting line, you have kept and you have, you have stayed in your lane and you have run a good race so far. You're halfway through. You've done everything you're supposed to do. You haven't shifted over. You haven't turned wide in the curves. You stayed in your own lane. You're running a good race. He's saying just don't do anything different. Finish the race the same way. Keep up the good work. Focus on the goal and move towards you until you hit that finish line. And that's what he's saying. This whole thing kind of just keeps bringing us back to the previous text there. Reading verse 12, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, I forget what is behind. I strain towards what is ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus if you keep those verses in your mind, all of these just continue. It just makes so much sense. Lastly, in verse 17, if you're a visual learner, if you do better observing other people, Paul says, join with others in following my example and take note of those who live according to the pattern that we gave you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Okay? This isn't about Paul. He's not being saying, just do everything I'm going to do. No, it's not. As I follow Christ, you follow me. Folks, what Paul is, and, or others, as he says as well, what Paul is saying here is so true because sometimes the best way to learn and to grow is to watch somebody else, right? Yes, you absolutely, 100%, have to be in the Word of God. You have to be involved in Bible study. Uh, you have to study the Scriptures. You definitely need to be involved in, in prayer. Stay tuned with the Lord. Spend time in prayer with the Lord. 
No question. But in addition to those, not don't put them aside, but in addition to those, seeing a person, someone you may know, maybe a parent, a friend, I don't know, but seeing somebody live out the principles of Scripture is a great benefit. Maybe it's how they handle a disagreement without being defensive, without calling somebody else names. Maybe you can learn from that. How about watching, I had to throw this one in, how about watching a mature believer who, who understands and how to deal with the obstacles of dating? Man, I think of the young people today, I'm just like, what a mess. Watch how they choose and what they choose not to do in order to be faithful to the Lord. And that just begins by not going up to somebody going, you're a Christian too? And you're dating the next day. Really? Wow. Wow. Did you just look at your husband? I didn't think you did. It might be something as simple as seeing how another Christian handles certain situations. We've all been in those times where, where somebody, especially people like me, I'm a former contractor, I'm sure, I'm sure Burke, I'm sure Ken and others, when you're on a job site and somebody's got some slick, filthy jokes they want to tell you, watch how that person handles that situation. You may learn a lot. What to do, what not to do. Seeing how mature believers goes through trials. How they look to the Lord how they seek spiritual growth, or maybe how they pray for the person who put them in that trial. Sometimes we don't want to do that, but that's the best thing to do. We're commanded to pray for those who persecute us. Or you know what, folks? Even seeing a dedicated follower of the Lord fail, they sinned in some situation, watching their response to that can be a great encourager to the pupil who's trying to learn. Because everybody who's an example to us is a sinful person. There are no perfect people. So sometimes maybe even seeing them fail and seeing how they handle it is a huge benefit to see as you yourself are maturing in your walk with the Lord. You've seen it in Scripture. You've read it a hundred times. But when you see it, you're going, oh man, that is rock solid. There's a lot to say there. There's a lot to say there. All of this reminds me of something that I, I, I mentioned to you not too long ago, but it just kind of reminded me of this. He says, I'd rather see a sermon. I'd rather see a sermon, see it, than to hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than to merely show the way. The eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. The best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds, for to see their good in action is what everyone needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in actions, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver, it may be wise and it may be true, but I'd rather get my sermon by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand 
and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. It's a great reminder that there's a lot that can be said in how people live their lives. How their walk with the Lord is sometimes a thing that we can learn best from. Not necessarily what we say. What we say should be important, but it should be matched up with how we live. See? Learning from the lives of other believers, I believe, can change someone's life. Those who may struggle with understanding or reading the scriptures, but when they know somebody or hang out with somebody or are mentored by somebody who, who lives that life, you can see it. It's right in front of you. You can watch it. And it has a huge impression upon you. When we see a Christian living out scripture, it not only teaches us, but it encourages us to do the same. Sometimes we tend to just follow them, follow what they do. My question would be this morning, where do you find yourself at today? Are you someone who can set an example for others to follow? Or are you someone who is on the other side needing to learn from somebody? Hopefully, you are both. Hopefully, you're both. We're teachable, right? We can still learn from others, but yet, hopefully, we still have a lot to give. We want to be both of those, see? So Paul says, strive for Christ-likeness. Keep pressing on towards the goal to win the prize. But remember, folks, it's not for your glory. It's not what makes you look good. It's for the glory of God, period. That's why we're here on this earth, right? Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can go through this text. I know a little shorter than today, but Lord, uh, it's, it's packed with a lot of stuff. It's packed with a lot of practical challenges on, on my walk with Christ. Do I just accept myself the way I am today, or do I continue to move, to grow, to mature, to press on, to be more like Christ So many times, Lord, I think we put it on cruise control in the Christian life. And we think we're okay. We've got fire insurance. I escaped hell. That's good enough. But yet that is not good enough. That has nothing to do with being sanctified. And Lord, as, as we just mentioned, there are many people in this world and maybe uh, people in this room that we've known for years who have been faithful Godly men, godly women that we feel have set great examples for us. Help us to learn from those people. At the same time, help us to be someone that we can live such a life that we can set an example for others to follow. Hopefully, Lord, also recognizing that nobody we see, no example is going to be perfect because we all struggle at some point. But Lord, help us to learn, help us to mature in Christ through your Holy Spirit, through your word, but also through the help of seeing other faithful believers walk that walk. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.